Hello everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of The Awesome Village. My name is Greg and joining me is... John. Glenn. Ryan. So, uh, what'd you guys do this uh, past week of phase one? I didn't really get a whole lot done. We had a, a lot of our house and in the inside painted. We, we had someone else do it, which I was glad that I didn't have to do it, but it's a pain in the ass just having people come to your house and we're kind of displaced for a little while while we were doing it. And when you got a three-year-old in the middle of that, it's just kind of a pain in the ass. So we... We watched a bunch of children's programming. Nothing really new. Yeah. Have you, have you all watched Blippi? No. What the hell is that? He's this... I don't know if I want to know. Uh, he's actually not that. He's kind of <coughs> goofy, but he's a um, children's personality on YouTube. And oh. um, I, I don't even know how to... He's like... He's a grown man. When we looked it up, apparently he was some... He got out of the Marine Corps and he wanted to do something with kids. So he came up with this fictional character of Blippi because he loved, like, Mr. Rogers and stuff, which... Is this guy, and he's he acts like he's four years old, and he goes and he t- tours all these like children's museums and indoor like play places and stuff around the country, and I don't know. Felicity actually learned a lot. Like he has a song, he has this very intricate song about excavators, and um, you say excavators, and I'm just for some reason picturing in Elizabeth Town that video about blowing shit up. That they that's uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, that's. A good, good call, but um, because I mean, one time we were just driving down the street and Felicity was like, "Look, an excavator." And we're like, "What the hell?" And then we saw there's this whole song about being an, you know, I'm an excavator. I'm like, this is bizarre, but he did teach her. Like, she learned a lot of, like, you know, her. I think she knows her whole alphabet because of Blippi. So, yeah, it's kind of goofy, and it's definitely not geared towards us. But it's yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that. Yeah, yeah I would. Claire was just she's obsessed with the Frozen Frozen Two and she's found recently on uh, Disney Plus that they have uh, there's four seven minute long episodes that are Lego Frozen. Oh yeah, yeah, those are yeah, those those on Disney Plus. Although I was I had a proud dad moment because Felicity asked to watch Baby Eight, which is her way of saying BB Eight. So I had to go through Disney Plus and find everything with BB Eight on it. Well, my kids uh, um, with this whole quarantine and stuff. my ex comes in town every weekend, and whenever she comes in, the the boys want to play board games. It's sort of been like our our thing, and we usually put something on on the TV in the background. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, I just I put The Matrix on the other day, and we played a game of Monopoly. But the game ended pretty quickly. I won. Um, <laughs> but the game Sidebar. the game the game ended pretty quickly, and I mean. Both of my kids were fascinated with the movie. They had never seen it. And the thing I, I didn't realize was it's rated R, but like... they're violence. But there's really not that much... Like, there's not a lot of blood at all, really. It's just a lot of shooting. But I mean, to me, I feel like that could have passed as a PG-13 movie. Maybe. I mean, it didn't seem that bad to me, but... Yeah, it's not until the second one until you had that awkward sex scene in the alcove. Oh, yeah, the, the, the rave in the center Uncle of the Joey's earth. Joey's alcove? <laughs> But uh, yeah, they loved it. Uh, Gavin especially was like really into it. Cool. But that was my weekend. So you gonna bring them to see the fourth one whenever that comes out? I remember like talking to Max saying, "I don't understand how they're going to do another one." Like, well, I mean, just the the behind the scenes, like well, like the spy shots people have gotten. It looks like Neo's almost like homeless on the street, and I, 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 I he just I, looks like sad Keanu. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is then I. Have y'all heard? Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? No, no a they're, sequel. they're calling it Matrix 4. So he's somehow been reborn again? I, I get And I don't know, some, uh, Captain Niobe is going to be. <laughs> and, I, and Carrie Ann Moss is in it. Yeah. But no Lawrence Fishburne. No, there's some rumor that the, um, who's the guy from Aquaman, the, um, the, uh, the villain? Uh, he the was Black in, Man's uh, yeah, Bla- yeah, that guy that was in Watchmen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently he's in it, and there's a rumor he's playing like, I don't know, rebooted Morpheus. Like, I don't know if it's going to be his son or him as a younger... I don't know. He was really good in Watchmen. Not, was. not so much in Aquaman. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was kind of a scene chewer in Aquaman. Yeah. Um, did you know Lawrence Fishburne's daughter does porn? Really? <laughs> Sidebar, did you know? Yeah, her name is Montana Fishburne. You can look her up. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find her to be too impressive. Uh, she was judged and found wanting? I mean, you know, when you're going to get into a genre, you got to really know what you're doing. And I got to tell you, I don't, it's not just the, the kind of. I read there was something on Variety. Had a, it was somebody that you wouldn't think of whose daughter was starting to do porn. But Steven Spielberg. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. heard that. Those must be the best produced porn yeah. movies. Ever. I mean, I don't know if he's directing the star. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I actually, I didn't look her up. I have to, I have to make a mental note of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got I, you know I don't give Montana glowing reviews from her performances from what yeah. I've seen. You know, maybe she'll get better. You know, it's a it's an art form. She's, yeah. She needs to really win you over. I mean, those. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you know you you got to work on your acting and, and those things too. Yeah. You know? yeah, I caught the end of uh, Mission Impossible Three on TV the other day, and there's that scene where. Tom Cruise is kind of tied up and gagged, and Lawrence Fishburne's talking to him, and it's almost impossible just not to stare at the gap in his teeth. (laughs) 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 Oh. I'm surprised Tom Cruise didn't hitch a ride on that space shuttle that launched. Uh, I know he's going to. Well, have we seen him recently? Maybe he's up there. It's quite possible. They just said there was two Americans on there. One of them could have been him. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) well, and they announced the director of that movie, um, Doug Wyman. Yeah, Doug Wyman. Yeah, the the guy that did uh, The Edge of Tomorrow. I keep. I hate the fact that they call it Live, Die, Repeat, and they change the name or whatever. I call it Edge of Tomorrow, but every time I go to say it, I hate the name so much that I, I keep vast. It, yeah. Isn't in Asia it's called All You Need Is Kill? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's based off of a comic book. Doug Lyman did uh, Born, too, didn't he? Did he do the, the first, first one? Yeah, the first just one. the first one. And he did Swingers. And Green Grass was the so other So is he like, yeah. is this movie, do we know like this movie he's doing in space? Is it going to be like a few scenes in space, or the whole movie is going to be shot up there? If, if, if I will say this, if the whole thing was going to be shot up there, there's no way James Cameron wouldn't be directing it. Good point. <laughs> well, Cameron would probably say we don't have the space shuttle technology to get to <laughs> Mars yet, so he's not. He's going to wait a while. That's right. He'll probably, he'll be the first person to shoot a movie on Mars. They finally showed some uh, some cast pictures of uh, Avatar two, where they're like in some big water tank with all these weird floating things because. Cameron apparently came up with some crazy new technology for the water effects that they're going to be using in the movie. I, Avatar. Look, I love the achievement. James Cameron has become the achievement guy for me. Yeah. Like I love the the spectacles of his films, but like his stories have kind of started to be like, yeah. And like the Avatar felt like that for me. Like I love the visuals; it was all cool and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I was like. It could have been about thirty minutes shorter, and I would have mm-hmm. been fine. It was a good movie. It was no, it was solid. I just Nominated liked it. for best picture. I liked the better yeah, one. It was Fern Gully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. Either, <laughs> the Rob Pandora Land at um, uh, Animal Kingdom is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, like Greg said, I mean, all the you know all the effects and everything are amazing. And I'm sure the new ones will be even better, but it just. I'm just not excited about the story, whatever. It's I'm not be like about. jazzed up or like I can't wait yeah. for Avatar, but I, I mean, I can't wait I, to see the visuals. I have a feeling when the trailers come out. He probably not, because Cameron doesn't really give away anything, but I think when it gets closer, every time people doubt him or he goes way over budget, people are like, oh, this is it for him, and then he blows it out the water. I don't know, but this one, I, I don't know. It's like the, um, it hasn't stuck around culturally. It's like whenever we would go to, you know, if you look around Halloween or Comic-Con or something. Well, you think that maybe like, why they, uh, they, they they came up with this Disney thing to try and get it? Possibly. Like, I, when they said that they were going to do that as part of Disney, I was like, it just seemed like an odd choice to me. But like, I wouldn't be surprised right, maybe if maybe like a comic or something comes out a, a couple you know, maybe, years maybe, or so before. Maybe they re-released the original one with the, um, you know, the, the, the opening. five and a half hour cut? Yeah, the opening <laughs> on, on Earth. I don't, I don't the know. The 12-year long version? It's just people aren't talking about the, the Navi anymore, like. You don't see people dressed like them for or cosplaying. Yeah, nobody's like having anymore. having tail sex, right? Or hair sex, or whatever, or whatever. What was it on Robot Chicken? They call them blue blue rabbits. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like cat rabbits. Yeah. is almost what they are. And like they pointed out in Big Bang Theory, like so they attach their hair together to have sex, but they also attach their hair to the animals when they fly them. That's what's that all about? Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't. What are, what are they really doing to those animals? We don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see you. Yeah, <laughs> Jake Zuli. Well, speaking of things that we've seen, um, if you've fired up Netflix recently, there's a new show called Space Force. Space Force. Highly promoted show. Highly promoted show. I remember the announcement of this. I'm like, oh, this should be a funny idea, and I was very excited to see it, and then I started seeing some of the reviews, and then I watched the first episode of it. Well, I watched the first two. Was it highly highly promoted? Because, like, I feel like I saw the trailer, like, Three weeks before it was, it was released, in, in articles more than anything. Else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that it was being developed, and then they, when they announced the cast, everyone was like, "Oh my god, they got John Malkovich in a show like this!" And then I didn't see it yet. You're not, you're not missing. I'm all. a little disappointed. Yeah, it. I was, I was telling you guys before the the show started. I kind of feel like, you know, the the, the premise, of course, is that this real thing happened, and you know, there's going to be the space force and this guy who who wanted to 
to run a branch of the military, finally gets his fourth star as a general, and come to find out he's gonna be running the Space Force. So it kind of flash forwards to a year later, and he's been in it for a bit. Um, and you think it'd be like I, I was thinking when they announced it, it's gonna be like a, a like a comedy like The Office, but just with the Space Force office, which would have been fine. But it just seemed it was so disjointed. It was seemed like like you know, it, it was a a textbook that they were reading from with this is a joke. All right, and you're supposed to laugh at this, and I was just like, okay, I get that it's supposed to be funny, but I was just I didn't really laugh out loud. Yeah, and you find that like the voice that Steve Carell does in it, it sounds like he's trying to be Agent Michael Scarn. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. I don't know. It's just I don't know. The the concept of the show is is very clever. Um, yeah. It's full of talented people, but it's just not that funny. And, and the thing that I was they kind of I was kind of surprised by is like when you hear that. They cast, you know, it's Space Force, which is kind of a crazy concept. And when they cast John Malkovich as the head scientist, you're thinking, okay, he's going to be some crazy wife. He's like the straight man. Right. He's like, he's not... That's an incorrect choice. Yeah, it's like he, he's not... The character's, I don't think the character's meant to be very funny. And then, I mean, the stuff with Lisa Kudrow is the wife, and yeah. it was just kind of weird. Yeah. And um, I'm... F- this, I mean, I was going to say, in the, in the very first episode, when they moved, it goes like a year later after they uh, find out that he's going to be doing that, and then moved out to Colorado from D.C., and for some reason, she's in prison. Right. Right. That's what I... We said. I'm four episodes in, and they have not said why she's in okay, prison. I was about to say, because like, I, 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 here's the thing. It was so... I was going to say, it was boring me, and I was kind of like... Not, not, yeah. I thought maybe I missed something. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, I guess this isn't really... Like, the only thing that kind of made me chuckle, there's this one random scene in the first one where there's this very intricate music video to Kokomo by the Be- by the Beach Boys. It's a great song. It's a great song. In yeah. other Kokomo news, we were discussing that if you've watched what we do in the shadows from this past week, yep. there's a Kokomo number there. Yeah. Also on the Kelly Clarkson show. that was way funnier. She performed Kokomo with John Stamos on the bongos. <gasps> I don't want to watch Cocktail now. <laughs> But I mean, also like Ben Schwartz, he I thought he was fine. He was fine, I guess, but it wasn't. It wasn't great was though. Kind of, I mean, it was, and yeah. uh, the one that plays a daughter, she was funny in Booksmart, but she's really, I don't know. It's just a lot of talented people and not a lot of laughs. Yeah, and I don't know. It's like I find it hard to, and this isn't really his fault, but like I can't watch Steve Carell and him not be Michael Scott anymore. I'm not because he's like because this character he's not an, he's not a stupid person. He's not an, he's just. He's not a scientist, and I mean, he, he's he's a, a, a general. I mean, he's he's a, he's a lifelong military man. See, but where I disagree with you is I've seen like uh, what was the 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 movie about the financial market that he big the big, big short. short yeah I've seen him in that I've seen him in some other things I mean in um, Little Miss Sunshine yeah, yeah. Was it the, yeah. the way way back I, I mean so it's, I can I can picture him yeah you're right that you're, way that's, so that's it's a like good point. I, but but like you're saying like when you're leaning into something like that the burden of the the sitcom for him yeah. is that you want him to be a little bit more overtly funny like yeah. I, you know and for me it was it was the, like the I guess the funniest thing for me at the beginning of it which I don't know how well it's going to pay off later is his rival from the Air Force yeah, yeah. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is not so much that I can't see him not being Michael Scott but in this role his character should be like Michael Scott and that's and it would I be would completely yeah. 100% agree with you because it's like you got all the scientists that are there like you know, that know kind of what to do and know what's, you know, in reality. And him just trying to, you know, he just knows the kind of the military aspect of it. And he's saying all these crazy things. Like, there's a, there's an episode, it's the second episode, I believe. Did, what, with the, the monkey? One? Yeah, the monkey. And then apparently, like, up in the, the space station that they've got, they sent up, uh, there was a, a chimp that they sent up and a dog. So and they can do a viral video. So they can do, like, some kind of viral video thing of them doing something in outer space. And, uh, they there's some something happens and something breaks off the space station and his first thing is oh I mean the chimp can do stuff we we got to talk to the chimp and do sign language and make him be able to go outside and fix this thing and the, all the scientists are like you know that's ridiculous but they, like a, they a, try a general even if you don't uh, like yeah it, it's not like you got some deep core drillers to be astronauts right exactly it's, so Avenue Five would be a better Avenue yeah, so oh, Avenue yeah. Five is much better but I mean, it's I'll it's like finish it. I mean, I think it's either eight or ten episodes, and they're they're half hour. I, mean, I think the big problem is it doesn't know what kind of comedy it wants to You're be right. because they had certain scenes that are kind of dry humor, like The Office. But then that second episode with the monkey was very like ridiculous and slapstick, yeah. and they just don't mesh well together. Yeah, I, I could agree. Like Ryan brought up Avenue Five, but that's more of a consistent comedic tone I right. think, yeah. than this, and that's. Maybe that's again why I felt so disjointed. Right. I'm watching the episode. I'm just like, there, I could. Just I mean, if you want to make it a goofy slapstick silly comedy, that's fine. Yeah. But that's 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 what you are, kind of. Thing. But I mean, when you got like the two main scientists in it are John Malkovich and the guy that played Jin Yang in Silicon Valley, and neither one of them are funny, and they're not really meant to be funny in it. It's like that's they're missing a huge opportunity there. 
there is, I will say there was either the third or fourth episode um, was actually a little bit better. It wasn't so much that it was funny. It did have some funny stuff in it, but um, they're doing, they're, they're like staging a, a simulation of what it's going to be like in the lunar, lunar module, um, just out in the desert in this little, it's, it almost kind of reminded me of something from uh, The Martian, where they have, and they're just, it's supposed to be four people that are all in there and seeing how they're going to live, you know, mentally and everything and how they're going to get everything done. And... Supposed to be out there for two weeks, and one of them quits. So they're looking for somebody else, and he's going through Steve Carell's character's kind of you know going through a lot with his daughter and everything on his plate. And he's like, you know what, I'll go do it. And he goes in there, and he kind of has kind of a breakdown in there. And that was there was a little more to that one, and that one had some funny elements to it. But I'm still, I mean, that was one out of four. That was kind of and with this with this talent because yeah. we know everyone involved in this is talented. It's talented because yeah. it's um show it's the guy that did the Office right. It's yeah. um what's his name the. Um, Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all convinced me I'm not watching it. Um, and the 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 Congress people that are in it are clearly based off of like like there's the the much older woman congressman and her name is Congress Congresswoman Potosi. Oh Jesus. And then it was the 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 younger like Hispanic girl and she had the three names. It was like AOC. Was the president named Dump? They have, they, yeah, just, they, they just say Potus. They just call him keeps, Potus. Yeah. Just like and, they do in Veep, which he keeps, also he keeps a better texting, show, much better uh, show. Random shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, that sounds like ours. Yeah. It's a show that really presses his luck. Speak of, of which. <laughs> yes, uh, Pressure Luck returned with the gorgeous and talented Elizabeth Banks once again hosting. Um, it came back this past Sunday. There's only been one episode, and this one episode this past Sunday was freaking phenomenal. It, it was. We, it was we, we watched it last night. It was stressful as shit, man. This this one woman. See, they added that new bonus round with, when, it, when it came back last year, and this bonus round is very clever. Because there's like different stages of the bonus round where like you get you start with I think like like five spins that you have to do, and if you don't get any whammies, you know you can go to another round, and if you can get up to five hundred thousand dollars, you win a million. Yeah. But they put clever shit in there that's personal to you to keep you. Yeah, like they, they interview you. them beforehand. Yeah. They might, yeah. find out important stuff that they want to put into the, the the board, and if you get it, and you have maybe two whammies, you're you're hard pressed if you should go to the next round because if you get two more whammies and you lose everything right so like this woman it was insane she she had some kind of minivan for i guess she had some like a terminally ill uh, no it was her, her her mother had um how was it muscular dystrophy or yeah, something like that it was, it was an ex, a, hand, a wheelchair accessible so it was van. like this big emotional thing they put this big minivan thing up on the board and of course she gets the minivan but then she and did up, you see how much it was worth? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, so it was, it was worth like I don't know, it was like eighty thousand dollars. Those things are very expensive. Yeah. So I mean, like it eventually gets to where uh, it just gets really, really stressful. Where she is either about to maybe get a million dollars or lose everything, and it was it was it was really good. Elizabeth Banks like she was gonna cry because <laughs> it was so stressful. And yeah. I mean, I found I, I didn't watch this one, but I mean, last season the ones that I watched. The bonus round like lasts as long, if not longer, than the rest yeah, of the it's show. It's an hour long show, and like the first half hour is usually the, the the typical pressure luck from the '80s, and then the bonus round is the second half hour. Yeah, yeah. And this woman, her, was it just me or her husband? Just kind of didn't seem very excited. <laughs> he seemed, uh, yeah, like uh, I don't know. Because uh, me and I don't know, me and Sandra kept on laughing about the thing. Oh, he's not getting excited because he knows that whammy's coming. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, this show's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. And Elizabeth, my kids love it. Like we, we couldn't wait. That we, in fact, before we watched The Matrix this past week, we watched Pressure Luck first. <laughs> what yeah. the hell is Greg doing? Oh, I'm re- responding to something. Uh, so you're not focused on the podcast? I was focused on your review. I can split my attention. Damn it! Well, we had stopped talking, and you just weren't doing anything because you weren't. Well, because I was finishing what, was what I was. On. I was pressing a button. Son of a bitch! I know. My name you is leave Greg. my mother out of this. No, your mother's fine. You called me a son of her. It's just a f- uh, what what it's an what? expression what. So Glenn, tell us about uh, your love life. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll, we'll talk about this later. But uh, me and uh, Sandra, we signed up for the HBO Max, and um, this is one of their original shows. It's called Love Life. It stars. Oh, you mean we're really not going to talk about your love life? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you want to? <laughs> I mean, is, I, is I, it, I didn't. I didn't know. Is Anna Kendrick involved in your love life? <laughs> yeah. Well, then we need to hear about yeah, that. Yeah. So um, yeah, it stars Anna Kendrick. She plays this girl named Darby, and um, this sh- it's very interesting because it um, it's kind of like an anthology um, type show where each episode is about. It starts off with this uh, kind of narration where they talk about the average person and how many relationships the the average person has in their life and how many 
serious ones and how many times they have their heart broken and this, that, and the other. You mean like dating relationships? Yeah. And um, then it's it's sort of introduced. It's like, and let's introduce you to our subject, Darby. And Anna Kendrick comes up and they start, you know, goes through like her uh, childhood. And then it start like apparently each episode is going to focus on one relationship. So we just we watched the pilot episode, which was the. Um, I'm trying to think the uh, the name of it. The, the names of the episodes are the I guess boyfriends, and this first one was called Augie Yong. Well, isn't this this sounds like uh, this sounds like lovesick, love lovesick, and also uh, that that high fidelity. A little bit, a little bit. You know what? It, it actually it, it reminded me very much of a female version of something like Five Hundred Days of Summer, the way that it's kind mm. of structured. Where the you know the person's narrating it and going through it, and like I said, the first episode's all about Darby and uh, Augie, and you know how they how they meet. On, you know when they first meet, it goes through their relationship and to where the relationship eventually ends. And it, this is it's it's a fine show. Um, it's definitely more for 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 women. I mean, my, my wife really liked it. Uh, Anna Kendrick's character, I don't know, she's got this kind of odd thing which because i was even thinking about everything that she starred in where she doesn't really play a whole lot of likable characters because if you look at her in pitch perfect she's kind of a hipster and i mean in the first half of up in the air she's it's um and this kind of feels goes along with that where i mean you can kind of sympathize with some of the stuff she's going through but she's not particularly particularly likable at the beginning um i mean you, you don't really dislike her it's just kind of she was uh, pretty likable and good, and I can't think of the name of the damn movie. Where uh, with Twilight with Blake Lively. Oh, uh, a simple favor. Yeah, yes, favorite. I just watched that for the first time. That was it's a good excellent. Movie. It was a good movie. Love that movie. But um, she's really good in it. Um, you think this is going to be a series where every season would be like a different actor as the? Main I could thing see that if if it takes off, uh, that that would that would actually fit kind of with the way that it's structured. Maybe they could do it where like one, like next season would be a guy. Perhaps, perhaps. yeah, yeah. That, that could be an interesting could idea. Be you. Yeah, I've had a lot. We, we could, we, yeah, we could, we could get HBO Max on on the line right now. But um, I thought it was an odd choice for this to be like the flagship show of a streaming service because, like, you know, Disney Plus, the big one was Mandalorian, and you know, Netflix. I think their first big one was probably um, was the Kevin Spacey one. How's the cards? How's the cards? Probably. So, was, and, I think when they were first planning to do all this, it was going to be the fact that they were going to have friends and they were going to have the Friends reunion thing right. was going to be like their big thing to and and and. And it's it's love life is pretty much their big original. So series. Uh, you you got HBO Max. I did. So aside from love life and friends, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. All right. So is there anything worth getting on there? All right. So love life. That like I said, that's kind of their big thing. There's kind of a strange late night talk show, but it's uh, hosted by Elmo. Elmo. I mean, yeah. Like the the puppet. puppet. Well, that, that don't sound too. Yeah, good. Elmo's like Jimmy Fallon. And, no, and the first guest is Jimmy Fallon. I don't want nothing to do with that. Um, it's only like 15 minutes. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of odd. I could see little kids loving it, and I could see, like, stoned people absolutely thinking it's hilarious. Um, but other than that, I don't know. HBO Max, I thought it was kind of a mess. I um, think it's one of the worst ones? It's just weird because, all right, so I had HBO Now, and now I have HBO Max. And it's pretty much the... Like the same stuff I had before, except now I've got friends. So I'm curious. And uh, Big Bang Theory's on there. Other than that, there's. And the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And yeah. And, there's not much different. But other than that, yeah, you get those things, but it's also not available for Amazon Fire Sticks or Roku's. Right. So it's like. We watch it through the Samsung TV. So why have it? Is the point. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, uh, those so two like, things are like the, the biggest things that people watch these shows through. And so you're H- telling me, like, if, like, I have HBO on my DirecTV. Yeah. If I, I can't go to like HBO like on demand so, thing and like type in friends you, and you, friends you, would pop you have up. Have it on DirecTV, so through AT and T you get it. For you free. you get HBO Max for free. Yeah, you, you do. But you won't. You can't just go on on demand on your TV and watch Friends. Okay. It'll be on the HBO Max app, but you have to watch they it on your phone Who or too. tablet. Who was that? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they had Doctor Who, but it's like I wonder if it's on like the like the Xbox. I mean, you could check. That's it. how I watch most of my streaming services on my TV is yeah. through the Xbox. It's just one. I don't know. It was I thought they really they bungled it because I just remember when we got Disney Plus, how excited we were and how like 
we spent a couple hours well, just playing with, with it. The thing with Disney Plus, though, too, is like they didn't have a lot of original content, but they had the back catalog, what, which most of what people do when they got Disney Plus was like, oh, I'm going to watch that fucking random ass ice skating movie I hadn't seen yeah. in centuries. Which, I mean, the back catalog, there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's just, I wasn't very impressed. I didn't think, like, it was, I don't know, it was kind of strange navigating it. Like I said, I just remember Disney Plus playing around with it for hours and navigating through it. And yeah, this, I think their biggest problem was that I couldn't get on at first. And, I mean, this, I, you know, I watched a couple of episodes of, um, which I guess we'll talk about later, Doom Patrol. And I mean, let's talk about it now. Okay. So, so yeah. Doom Patrol, Glenn. Cool. I'm excited because I watched this. I had DC Universe, and I watched probably three, four episodes well, of it. This is on Disney Plus. No, no this is on, on HBO Max. Max. Oh. It, it was because Disney HBO Max. They're gonna kind of slowly start to bring over some of the DC stuff. Yeah, the DC Universe was its own kind of app, and right? Like Titans and things like that. But I think they're kind of like it's a really weird legal gray area where like how even though Marvel produced the Netflix shows, they can't use the characters right. for another six months. Right, and like the CW stuff, I think Batwoman's the only one that's featured yeah. on. I think which the rest, upsets me because Star Girl came out, and I kind of wanted to watch that. Right, which I think, which I think eventually they'll get them. I think it's almost like, you know, how Disney Plus didn't get the Star Wars stuff directly; they had to wait for the Netflix contracts to expire. I think it yeah. might be something. Yeah, similar. they just got Last Jedi not that long ago. Right, I think it's something similar where, as the um, CW stuff, it'll eventually be all be on HBO Max after the. The contracts with Netflix expire, but um, Doom Patrol. I had not. This was one I hadn't seen. This is an interesting comic. Imagine if it was the X Men only massively dysfunctional, because it, it's ba- so the the main character uh, is the is this doctor named Niles Calder, and uh, played by played by Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Good choice for it, but uh, yeah, he basically <laughs> prices. He collects these different uh, different people that, to kind of help them heal and whatnot. And the, the comics had several iterations. One of my favorites was when Grant Morrison did it. But it's these like these misfits. There's a, a a guy which which by the way, Brendan Fraser. He was perfect. I cannot say any better things about his like it like that performance is friggin' astounding. Yeah, he plays Cliff Steele. Yeah, he's a he's the robot man. All right. And basically, the whole first episode is about pretty much his character, his right. and everything. And it's basically he was a stunt driver, kind of a big giant asshole, gets in this accident, so they take his brain and put it into this robot body. He sounds like a porn star from the seventies. Yeah, Cliff Steele. <laughs> <laughs> There's also this uh, this uh, actress who basically like she was an actress from like the fifties or forties or something like that, and she like she was really a, a horrible person, and somehow or another, and when they're on, on location, she gets this stuff all over her. And it starts to turn her where she can like stretch, but it's like she has to constantly concentrate to keep herself together. Yeah, she uh, she turned into a big blob. Yeah, um, Matt Balmer, he's um, Larry Trainer, which he it's was on the TV uh, right now. It's an attractive man. Yeah, well, this he plays a um, an Air Force kind of test pilot, and it looked like it was in the fifties. Yeah, who was like- secretly gay, and he gets is it some sort of solar radiation hits him, and yeah. um, he's. He's almost like Dark Man, where he's burned beyond relief. Well, yeah, but, they call it, it's like I think it's, if I remember correctly, I always forget the character name. I think it's Negative Man, but basically, like he, he basically can project an energy version of himself out right. of his body. And then the one thing that I really loved was the way Alan Tudyk narrates it. I yeah, thought, he's, and he's kind of the, he's the villain. Yeah, but the way that I don't know the way he he it's very Deadpoolish the way he narrates it because he's kind of talking to the audience. Did and you, did um, y'all watch the whole thing? I watched the first three I, or I think four. I've probably watched, I think I, I watched four episodes and I've watched three. Yeah, because I, I got to the point where Cyborg, the character Cyborg was introduced. How many are there? Um, I'm assuming these are hour-long episodes? Yeah, they're hour-long. Right. Um, the first, I think there's like 13 or 14. 15 episodes in the first season. But um, so, well, I'm confused. This is with the launch of of HBO Max. Yeah, well, and this was produced. From, yeah. yeah, this was produced for that DC Universe app that oh, okay. had come out. What was it last year? Yeah, and really wasn't doing very well. Yeah, I mean, like, they have, like Titans is on, and I've seen the bulk of Titans, and Titans is very good. Yeah, so I think this is DC Universe is just going to fold into HBO I, Max. I, that's eventually what was going to happen once the contract expire. But um, I I enjoyed it. It's very it's very different. Like I could see it like. People that like stuff like the Umbrella Academy will definitely yeah. That's like a this. really good comparison yeah. because yeah, it, it's really Ryan. I think it's something you should probably give a chance to because well, now that I know I can get it for free, I'll look into it. Go. 
I mean, it's Timothy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so HBO Max, it's, I don't know, I, I'm not ready to give up on this yet, just I'll, I wasn't that impressed yeah. with, with the launch. Here, here. Lance. Yes. Uh, so, right after ESPN's 10-part series, The Last Dance, the very following week, they came out with a, there's a new series of 30 for 30 movies coming out, and there's a string of three of them. Um, one of them is going to be about Bruce Lee, which I'm really excited about. And one of them is about, I think it's called the summer of 98, if that's the right year. It was the summer where Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had the chase oh, for the home right. run record, oh. which I really want to see that too because I'm, with all the steroid stuff. But then the one that started two weeks ago was about Lance Armstrong called Lance. Um, it's a two-parter, so each episode was two hours long. There were full-length movies. And, uh, man, I I never really... Uh, I mean, I'm, who is a real a cycling fan? But I always paid attention to the Tour de France when he was around and was, you know, I was rooting for him. And, you know, I remember the, the all the stories about doping and if it was going to be, ha like, if it really happened. And I remember him denying it up and down. And then I remember when it finally came out that he did it, he was just the most disgraced athlete in history. And I remember thinking at the time that I didn't quite understand why he was so hated because, yeah, of course he did something wrong, but, like, People really turned on him bad. And I mean, nobody really, Mark McGuire, nobody, I mean, he kind of had some some pushback when he tested positive, but not like this. And I found, man, watch this, this docuseries, you'll find out why people hate Lance Armstrong. Like, he, knowing that he was doping, and whenever like a story came out or someone made a comment or said something about him doping, he went after these people legally. And you know, it was destroying these people's lives, and it was very complicated to watching it because the the director who's interviewing him, you know, sh sh they say before it, you know, this isn't going to be like a Lance Armstrong apology piece. It's just about presenting the facts and presenting Lance as he is. And the, at the very end of the uh, part two, one of his former teammates summed it up perfectly like how I was feeling. He was like, I've known Lance for 30 years and been involved with him, and I still can't figure out if I, if I like the guy or not. <laughs> because, yeah, he is a complete asshole, but then at the same time, he created Live Strong and did all this great stuff for cancer research and everything, but he's just done so many horrible things, and he doesn't really come across as that apologetic about it in the documentary. It's, it's really fascinating to watch. If you've watched any ESPN 30 for 30s, I mean... They're all very good and well made, but if you're really interested in the subject matter, it's really good. So, um, ESPN has their app, ESPN Plus. You could find it there if you have ESPN, which most people do on whatever service. You could probably find it on their demand, but uh, it's it's excellent. Did they mention anything from Icarus in the? Uh no, but like they talk about Floyd Landis. I was about to ask if they talked about Floyd Landis. It's kind of funny. Like he, there's a part where uh, he's talking about how um, you know disgraced he was and all the millions he lost but he's he makes a comment he's like well it could be worse i could wake up and be like floyd landis and the the director was like, you mean wake up and she thought like living in some town he's like no just be him because he's a piece of shit and and it cuts to floyd landis and i, I didn't remember all the stories but apparently what happened you should was, cut to floyd landis and go fuck him well <laughs> it was interesting because you know the whole u.s team was doping so lance armstrong retires after his seventh win the following year, Floyd Landis wins. And Floyd Landis made a comment saying he he believes Lance Armstrong just didn't think an American would win after he did. And he believes Lance Armstrong called, used his political powers to actually get him tested and got him to test positive. And, and pretty much he believes Armstrong called him, like got him caught. And the basic gist of it, Floyd Landis was under the impression like it was, he talks about it comparing it to the mafia. He figured, you know, okay, I'll take the my bicycle hit. Bicycle mafia. He was banned for like two years, and he's like, I'll take my hit. I won't say nothing. I'll do my two-year ban, and two years, I'll, I'll be back on the team. Two years later, they wouldn't let him back on the team because, you know, you're too toxic because of you testing positive. And that's when Floyd Landis came out and wrote a big thing to, I forgot who he wrote it to. I think some head of some doping agency saying, yeah, this is they're all doing this. And he gave in detail about everything because he was like, well, fuck it. If they're not going to take care of me now, why am I going to protect these guys? And it's it's really good. Nice. 
Nice. What about Sinister? Yeah, so um, this weekend I was scrolling through Netflix like we all do, and um, I just happened to go into the horror film section, and I saw a picture of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, was and, good, he was good in Explorers. And there, it was a movie called Sinister, and I don't really remember it. So it was from 2012, I think, and clicked on it and decided to watch it, and... A lot of times with Netflix movies, I'll get 10 minutes into it. I'm like, this is a piece of shit, and I'll turn it off. Not with this. I watched the whole thing, and I thought it was really good. Um, so it's on Netflix. It's about this guy. He's a writer, and he's written a lot of like, like true crime novels that have actually, like one of them actually helped solve a, a true crime. But then a couple of his later books caused problems uh, legally with the police agents and stuff. So... He moves to this new town because he's his la- his first book, which was a big hit because it made a big splash with a crime. His last few books have been kind of disastrous, so he's, he needs money. So he's he moves back into town to this new town because there was this homicide there where this family was murdered by being hung on a tree in this elaborate fashion, and it was unsolved. So he moves to the town to start investigating and reporting it. But what he doesn't tell his family was that he actually moved into the house where this family was hung in the backyard and he ends up finding in the attic a box full of like little eight millimeter films there's like six or seven of them and they're all like videos of these families being murdered in weird elaborate ways and it kind of ties into the occult and basically he starts it's actually it gets to be very supernatural but the way he investigates it is actually pretty cool he contacts a, a college professor he involves one of the local deputies as his source to try and help him figure stuff out. And um, it's really creepy. It's really good. It's very psychological. I don't want to give away like what exactly is going on with the who's filming the videos because it ties in in the end. And I'll say this. The end is going to – it's one of those end, horror movie endings that kind of stick with you after the movie ends where you just turn to the person who you're watching with and you're like, what the fuck was that? But it was really good. Um, Ethan Hawke was sensational in it. I would probably give it like a seven and a half. Like I thought cool. it was, I thought it was great, great horror movie. Apparently, they came a sequel came out from it. I was just looking that up. There was a Sinister too, yeah. and apparently that one was a piece of crap from what I read. But the first one was amazing. Let's look into it. And now today we're going to debut a brand new type of segment that we're going to try out. And uh, mostly it's because we need to fit in some uh, some things that, like, you know, maybe we discover and want to pass along to you guys. Not just for, like, quarantine purposes, but just in general things that should be on your radar that don't quite fit into movies and TV. So Glenn is going to tell us a little bit about something that he had recently. <laughs> so, yeah, um, which are we going to call this Elder Recommends or Elder something? Elder Recommends is fine by yeah, me. Yeah, all right. So, um, today I'd like, I'm going to talk about an audiobook that... Um, I listened to called Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, so uh, if you know you you you're familiar with audiobooks, um, they generally they have a uh, a voice actor or actress um, going through and reading um, you know a book. Say you know if you're you know got a, a commute or you you know you're at the gym or you're jogging or something you want to you want to listen to you know, a story so they um, you know it's something fun to put on well I, I came across this one called Dooku Jedi Lost it's a Star Wars uh, audiobook came out last year and this is kind of different than your average audiobook because it's almost like an old-fashioned kind of radio show where it's got a full cast of actors it's got you know uh, you know, music and uh, you know, sound effects and stuff like that. And um, this is pretty cool. It's uh, the whole plot. It's about uh, a character that oh, some people might know, or some people not by the name of Asajj Ventress, who was kind of uh, in the Clone Wars. Was Count Dooku's kind of assassin? Did they ever confirm if she was killed? I want to say she was, but it was in one of the episodes that didn't come out like because i know the one dave filoni they had come up with some storyboards and mm-hmm. i want to say they converted a couple of them into a novel and i want to say she she died in that but then it's kind of loose if that is kind of in with canon she kind of just disappears right in the series yeah yeah so uh but it's about her um and it's like right when count dooku recruits her and she's trying to learn more about him 
and um, she starts going through all these. Um, she was a recruit. Uh, there you go. <laughs> she she starts going through all these um, recordings that he kept of communications from between him and his sister, and it kind of just goes through the life of Count Dooku from when he was very young and his best friend Sifo-Dyas, and um, just kind of you you learn a lot about the Jedi Order in it too because it's it's them. Kind of, and when they're young and they're, they they get excited because oh this is the day where we might become Padawans and get someone will select us to be an apprentice kind of thing, and um, so was Cipher Diaz in on the whole the evil aspect of the Clone Army. It's being weird because Cipher Diaz he's a strange he's kind of an interesting character because there's this thing where different Jedi have different kind of Force abilities and his one is he can he has these premonitions where he sees the future and it almost makes him kind of crazy. Where he can't block out what's gonna, what you know, potential futures. So, um, but there's this whole thing with Count Dooku there on this planet, kind of doing a Jedi ex- exhibition, and he ends up running into. It turns out it's the planet that he was originally from, and he meets his sister, and you find out his father, as soon as he found out, had Force powers, contacted the Jedi, and said, "You need to take this freak out of here." So it's. It's it's very it's a very interesting take on this character of Count Dooku, and I mean it kind of goes through his whole Jedi life about how he's like the the fencing teacher at the Jedi Academy, and it goes through him um, mentoring Qui Gon Jinn and stuff like that. The voice actors are really good. The one that plays young Qui Gon, he, he sounds a lot like Liam Neeson, and the one that plays Yoda is pretty spot on. So does they do a Yoda voice? Yeah. Oh, nice. Because they, they got the whole thing about Yoda picking him to be a Padawan and how, like, that had never happened before where uh, uh, the Grandmaster's taking a Padawan kind of thing. And mm. So it's it's pretty interesting. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's about five hours. Um, but uh, if, if you're in the market for uh, an, in, an interesting audiobook and you're a Star Wars fan, I'd highly recommend this. Where, where did you uh, get the audiobook from? I got it from um, the that Apple store, the... Um, it, it's the audio. It's the uh, the book app, I guess. Okay. But um, it's available in Audible if you have okay. Audible. But I mean, or um, I mean, wherever you get audiobooks from, it's just it's called Dooku Jedi Lost. I would highly recommend that. It. It's very interesting, and the fact that they really don't do stuff like this anymore, where it's like a radio show kind of thing, where there was never a physical book to this. This is just what they. Oh, came that's out interesting. With. That's awesome. So yeah, so I, I, w- I would I would recommend it. All right. Cool. And now. It is time to nominate this week's awesome villager, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? Uh, I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Banks mm-hmm. um, because she's beautiful <laughs> and she's smart and talented. And I always get the impression, like a lot of times when these celebrities get do, do these game shows, where I get the feeling like their agent said, "Look, you need a paycheck." You should probably do this, you know, for some some side money. And when they do it, you can tell they're doing their job, but they just don't seem that into it. But she's different on Pressure Luck. Like, she gets into it. Like, I mean, if she's like faking it and she is miserable, she's really good at faking because she's <laughs> no, the Meryl Streep. Yeah, no, no pun intended. But I mean, she like gets really emotional for the contestants and. She cracks jokes with him, and it's not corny jokes that you see on game shows and stuff. Like she just sort of is in the moment, and I really enjoy her on it. And you know, Greg just saw the Charlie's Angels. Up. You should watch Charlie's Angels. Yeah, that that he said was very good with her. And I mean, I've always liked her in just about everything that she's done. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Okay, I'll, I'll go next, I guess. And this is strange, but I'm going to nominate Brendan Fraser, just because the Encino of, Man. That's right. You know, I did not like him until the mummies came out, which he was great in those mummies. Yeah, he was beyond really great. Was. And ever since then, but uh, I mean, if you if you know sort of about his career, I mean, he put his body through hell in the '90s doing all these action movies to the point where I know he was having trouble walking and stuff, which is kind of why he he stopped acting. And the fact that they cast him as this kind of robot man in a broken body kind of was yeah. perfect. And I mean, when the show when Doom Patrol started, and he you know. When they would introduce his character, I'm, I was like, oh, this is, you know, Brendan Fraser. But the more the show went on, I'm like, this is just perfect. Whoever, you know, thought to cast him as this this robot man with the, you know, his brain. Just, it's like a tragic Ricky Bobby. And it, it's this him, real, like, it, it, the thing is, like you're saying, the, the casting with this, 
it, it you could tell he's connected to the role and maybe that's why like but it's it's he, he gives a great performance right and like I said I was just I thought he was phenomenal in doing patrol so I'm gonna go with Brendan Fraser I'm gonna nominate somebody that most people probably haven't really heard of. Is this guy's name is Harvey Guillen, and he plays Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows. I'm, I'm glad you, and, um, uh, you said that. He's uh, he's he's kind of the, the straight man because the vampires are just such weird eccentric characters, and he plays one of the main vampires. They're familiar, and he's just trying to kind of <laughs> he's trying to be a loyal familiar, but he's also just trying to make sense of the ridiculous things they do. And he's just he's kind of like the straight man in, in it. And he's this week especially when he was. He's just become fed up because he just wants to become a vampire so bad, and they just keep blowing him off. And yeah, familiar culture is basically like they keep getting promised to become vampires, and like none of the vampires <laughs> yeah. ever actually turn them. And he's just the show, and he got picked up for another season, which I'm very excited yeah. about. And uh, he's, I mean, he's a, a big part of the reason why it's so good. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Like the whole story is, he saw an interview with a vampire, and he saw Armand. <laughs> it was the first Hispanic vampire he'd ever seen. That's funny. <laughs> it's, they actually have a picture of him when he was young in costume as Armand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, I, that's a really good choice. So yeah, Harvey Guillen is his name. Uh, and I'm going to nominate Henry Cavill. We talked about uh, the Snyder Cut. And I didn't realize this at the time, but all, like Henry Cavill like was on that watch party where they kind of announced it. All right. And there's this whole big thing where there's some things that he alluded to. There's some stuff that came up online, including the fact that there's apparently going to film some uh, – there's a, a, a deleted scene originally that Joe Manganiello did for Justice League with him fighting Ben Affleck, and there's been some Ben Affleck possibly doing his version of Batman. But the big thing was that they want to have not just – you know some Superman. They want to have a bunch of Superman um, with Henry Cavill. Like he's in negotiations to basically be like sort of like the Nick Fury or Hulk. That's what I heard. Works. I heard it kind of compared more to what Ruffalo does. Yeah, and I think it's kind of good because I mean, eventually they can get his his own Man of Steel two off the ground. But I think you know it's a waste to. We were talking about this earlier. Like the big thing is this. They already have they. They already have Wonder Woman established in this universe. They can't neglect what's gone on before. They can't neglect with Aquaman and everything like that. So, and people like Cavill. I think Cavill they, wants yeah. to do the, the the movie. So, like, I I think this is kind of a no brainer. If they're doing the thing with the the TV universes where they were separate and everything like that, do this where you have these different things where you have a Pattinson, Batman. But the, it's a testament to Henry Cavill as a person. And we uh we just watched Cut of Monte Cristo recently. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was kind of funny to see young Cavill. But, a little uh, better. He's really he's kind of hilarious in Stardust. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. He's all. I mean, he's also great in. Uh, oh, the, the, the man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. He was great in. That. I thought he was amazing in Mission Impossible. He's great oh, in Mission Impossible. Too. He was a badass. When Jesus. He cocks his fists. When he cry, and somehow when he cocks his fists, he kind of grows a beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard uh, the Snyder Cut will not be able to fix his face. Uh, <laughs> well, I saw something where there's kind of a debate going if they bring him in and refilm some stuff, or they just release it with him with a mustache. I say let's have mustache Superman. I, that's fine, but I, you know, <laughs> for the Freddie Mercury Superman. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm told like if they're going to spend any money on it, then improve those effects yeah. if they can, or just reshoot it. I, like, I'm, I'm with you. There'll be no reshoots, is what one of the Warner guys said. But I'm like, just invest in the money in it. Well, I mean, they, something they, they you can have some, it on your service. They did reshoots for Blade Runner twenty years later. I mean, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, my, my nominee is Henry Cavill. Uh, I would pick uh, Brendan Fraser. I think I w- I'd pick Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> I was going to pick Henry Cavill, <laughs> and I was going to pick Brendan Fraser. So Brendan Fraser. Brendan so Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. And I wasn't you, like, expecting him to win. I, I know. You know what? I'm I'm glad because again, like we're I, I, I'm now kind of want to go see the Mummy movies again because you know I, even he made Blast from the motherfucking past tolerable. <laughs> mm. You you remember when we were working at the theater and that George of the Jungle standee? Would, oh God! <laughs> that was <laughs> the drums would go off whenever anyone would walk in front of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Brendan Fraser, come hang out with us. Regale us with tales of your career and your awesomeness. And you're, 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 tell us how it is to play the Robotman. Yeah, tell us what it was like to fight a um, really bad CGI version of The Rock. Kumashente. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that line resonate with you so much? It, because, look, this is the first time we're seeing him really in an acting role. And I, what I love is I'm like, he just delivered it so poorly. And your response was, you don't know what Egyptian sounded like. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, we know what Egyptian sounded no, like. No, you don't. It, so Egyptian you, sounded just like Sean Connery in Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, came, he came and he went, Haku, 
Machente. He did not sound like that. <laughs> You're over exaggerating. But it was. I just it tickled me, and the, the what, what tickled me even more is how much it annoyed you for me to. Get because he literally that. didn't really do much acting in the movie. No, he didn't. He no, showed up and said that one line, and then he was. Well, he redeemed himself like twelve and then, times. And then he was over. that weird CGI version of himself. Yeah. So obviously, I was right because he turned out to be a very good actor. You, you know, the name of this episode is going to be Hakuma Machente, right? <laughs> it no, shouldn't just, be. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Well. You know what's funny? You're probably going to have to Google how to spell it. <laughs> I, I, that's what I was thinking. Like, how the fuck do you I mean, spell it? <laughs> Google it and then copy and paste. Google I mean, it can't be that far off than Hakuna Matata, right? True that. Or, or it could just be you don't know what Egyptian sounds like. But I kind of I kind of doubt that. Uh, do you think, like, that's no worries? Is it Hakuma Shente? Is that, like, you know, I was no a, machetes? Yeah. I, <laughs> I was about to say I'm pretty, <laughs> it means no machete. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean the same thing in Egyptian. Danny Trejo would not be happy. You ought to, <laughs> you ought to Google what does Hakuma Shente mean. <laughs> let's see what comes up. I think we need to do that on the air one day. Actually, why don't I fucking just do let, that? Let's now? do it. Let's see. Well, this I, is getting I, wild. I, I got to tell you, when we got together tonight, I really didn't think Aku this is. Who? Machente. What does. I'm going to type in on mine. Here we go. Haku Machente, meaning in English. It means it's hot as hell. That wow! <laughs> I mean, I can see him just screaming. And how is that it spelled? Because I'm trying to H A K U M A C H E N T E. Yeah, there you Akuma go. Shente, there we go. So when he, Wait, what does it mean in the Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary: The Scorpion King. Has I have a, a tiny, tiny dingling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess so, that would make me angry to so run across you, the so, desert. So when the Scorpion King comes out with all his troops, holds up his thing, he's yelling, "It's hot as hell!" <laughs> <laughs> That's what pissed it's him hot. off. Yeah, as hell. It's a really hot apartment with no air conditioning. <laughs> I've been in a hot apartment that made me want to run across the desert and start a war. All right, so uh, you guys uh, dwell on that for this next week, and we'll see you back next week. Uh, remember, there are many places to find us now. You can go on Anchor, you can go on Apple Podcasts, you can go on Spotify, and a whole bunch of other platforms, as well as our website. Please remember to subscribe, like, spread the word. Every time you guys listen to it is another little help for us as part of the show um that's going to do it for us this week this has been greg john glenn ryan we will see you here next week